if you feel something deep in you that it's calling to you, you eat it, sleep it, drink it. And I ate, slept and drank beauty and just didn't even realize I, until a friend knocked me over the head, didn't realize, yeah, you can actually take that passion and make it a career. If, if it's your passion, if you really feel it, then commit to it and work towards it. And you can't let setbacks make you stop. It's Julie Global Wilson, and you're tuned in to The Color Files. Okay, first and foremost, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. You know, our family is growing, and I see y'all. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your comments. Y'all have been sliding into my DMs on Instagram, and I love the fact that you guys are loving The Color Files. Thank you so, so much. So for this episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with a true OG in the makeup game. She's a bomb artist, a phenomenal woman overall, and really, I mean, she's Fatima Thomas. Fatima is a senior national makeup artist at MAC Cosmetics. She's been with the brand for over 22 years. Do y'all hear me? 22, which is an amazing accomplishment. And as incredible as Fatima is at what she does, being a makeup artist wasn't always in her original career plan. Growing up, she knew she wanted to be a fashion designer, in fact, until a friend helped her to pinpoint her passion and recognize her true calling, which was makeup artistry. Sometimes all it takes is one moment for everything to come together and then boom, it just all makes sense. Just like so many of us, she used to play in her mom's makeup and try in her clothes and even her wigs. So she's always been fascinated by, and this is in her words, quote unquote, the way humans dress themselves up for the world. I love that. It's so poetic and it's just a bomb way to describe something so simple. Fatima and I kikied about some of our beloved MAC products. I just want to say to whoever invented chestnut lip liner and clear lip glass, uh, thank you and amen. That is the holy grail of my teenage years right there. Those two products will forever be imitated but never duplicated. We also spoke about her experience of being a black woman in the beauty space, the importance of paying your dues, and the reinvention of all things. There's always a snippet of my conversations that really stand out to me and that stay with me for a long time. And that was no different with Fatima. She said, loving yourself is a journey and you keep leveling up. Come on, sis. If that's not a word, I don't know what is. And that's definitely a gem I want to leave with y'all today after listening to this. So enjoy this lovely and powerful conversation between myself and the incredible Fatima Thomas. Let's get to it. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to be here with you, Queen Fatima Thomas, who is... You are a senior artist at MAC Cosmetics, which is like... Senior because of the skill level and now also because I'm getting old. (laughs) But like what, like we have to like dissect that and talk about what does that mean and what does it mean to be a senior artist, how long you've been at MAC. Like MAC in the black community especially is so important. It has so much tradition. It's like 
it's honestly one of like the first touch points, I feel like, for mm-hmm. a lot of young brown girls and boys yes. when they're starting to play to with experience cosmetics. beauty on their own and play with makeup. It, it we we are definitely I think everything you said is so true. And let's unpack what my position, I guess, means and and talk about that first. What does that mean? Like what, how long have you been there first? Right. So I'm Fatima Thomas. I am a senior artist or senior national artist for Mac Cosmetics. I have been with the brand for 22 and a half years. That's loyalty. Yep. Okay. Well, it's, it's been a great experience and I've stayed so long because it's just been amazing. I've given a lot to my different positions with Mac and my career with the brand, but I've also gotten a lot back. Mm -hmm. So what I do and what my counterparts do, because there's a team of us, Mm -hmm. we're sort of like the Transformers, (laughs) but there's a team of us internationally and there's a a really tight-knit team of us here in North America. So in a nutshell, we are some of the most tenured and highly skilled makeup artists in the brand, which allows us to do things like work backstage at Fashion Week, work with some of the world's top makeup artists. We also, many of us, key shows in Mm -hmm. fashion cities. Um, We do VIP and celebrity appointments. We often get called to do makeup for people for various events. We are also educators. Mm -hmm. We are spokespeople within the brand for the brand. And we are a very diverse group worldwide. So we can wear many hats and we do wear many hats. You could ask me, Fatima, I want you to write an article or be like a guest editor and write, give me 250 pages and I could do that. And then the next day I could be on set creating looks for the Halloween campaign. And then the next day I could be designing a training on color theory. Yeah. So we take... We take a lot of different skills that help us elevate makeup artistry Mm -hmm. and spread that elevation to our clients, to our customers, to the people we teach and train. You know, we are really so the voice for a brand that doesn't have any one spokesperson. That's amazing. How did you fall in love with makeup? I think it was just in me. Were you playing with, like, your mother and your grandmother's makeup when you were younger? My granny didn't really wear much makeup. She wore a bit of lipstick. My mother wore makeup when I was a kid more. And she she still does a little beat. You know, she's she's a woman of her generation. You don't leave the house not looking put together. So when I was maybe three, four years old, my mother said she would catch me climbing up on the dresser, getting into her perfumes, her lipsticks, her powders. And I distinctly remember at a very young age seeing Lena Horne in movies and loving how she looked. And so I wanted to make my face look like Lena Horne's with red lipstick or, you know, lips done. And, and so I put things on my cheeks and I'd play around. But I have a fine art background. I've always drawn and painted and made things. I'm a bit of a maker. And so coming up, makeup was just another way to paint. Oh, yeah. you can paint on people, you can paint on a canvas, you can paint on a wall, yeah. you can paint on some paper. So it, I didn't really see a distinction between all of those ways to create and use color and texture to have this amazing aesthetic experience of creating something. But did you realize that it was like a real profession? Because I feel like some of us in the creative field, you're like, mm-hmm. I mean, when I was growing up, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a exactly. teacher. 
like being especially black folks like yeah. that's the that's the you, you're going to teach be a doctor yeah. lawyer being a fashion get out and of college a beauty and, editor mm-hmm. and that sort of thing was like far like it was a dream but I was like I can't do that like I don't nobody's know do guidance that. counselor tells yeah. you to go to FIT or right. to go to even cosmetology school because you have a knack for something you know right. and probably a lot of people a lot of people's parents would be angry if your guidance counselor did tell you that right. I always loved fashion and beauty. And when I was a kid, what I really wanted to do was be a fashion designer. That's mm-hmm. what I thought I wanted to do. But I was always interested in fashion and beauty and how humans adorn ourselves and dress ourselves for the world. Right. So I don't think I had the total awareness that this, how, how much of a career this could be, because, because it's sort of right under our noses. Mm-hmm. And a, a really good friend back in those days, back in the 90s, you know, I'd taken some time off from college. Let's call it what it is. I dropped out for a while because I was burnt out. I was really tired. Look, it's I was not for working everyone. and going to school and I was burnt out. And I said, let me take a break and kind of regroup and get my game plan together. And during that period, one of my really close friends, you know, I was having a chat with her and I was saying, okay, well, I got this college catalog and I'm going to look at the classes. I'm going to, you know, I'm getting ready to register. And she's like, ah don't you just become a makeup artist? And I tell you, it was a revelatory moment. The clouds literally opened up and sun shone down on me. And I said, oh my goodness, duh. That's what I should be doing. Duh. Yeah. Because I was always the kid in my friend group that loved makeup, that kind of knew how to use it or figured out how to use it. And I was an artist. And she said, that's your passion. That's what you love. And I said, duh. I said, exactly. And makeup is everywhere, but people don't Think about it, because every TV commercial, every movie, every soap opera, everything, everywhere you look on men, on women, political debates. You know, I've been at the Democratic National Convention under those uh, stages, touching up John Kerry, right, before he goes on to speak. So makeup is everywhere, but it's, it's very ubiquitous, but we don't think about it. Right. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Yes, I could make my career uh, as a makeup artist. Like, what did your family this. think? Always supportive. That's great. My family was always supportive. My mom and my dad just said, whatever you do, just do your best at it. Apply yourself. And you'll probably do reasonably well. But, right. you know, you need to be fulfilled. So, And they, I think they recognized That's early so on that I had a lot of artistic talent. And they always bought me art supplies. And every any kind of art supply I wanted, they bought. So I was always drawing and painting and you know, yeah. and they supported that. So I'm very fortunate in that way because I know not everyone has parents that feel comfortable trusting yes. their talents and that they can make a living and a good life of their talents. And trusting the, the universe creative. to know that that's what's right for your child yeah. and that, you know, happiness yeah. is really the the goal. Yeah. And if they're doing what they love, they're going to be happy. Exactly. And they're, yeah. they're going to make it. They're going to have a, a fulfilling life. For sure. You know? Okay. So we were lucky. We've been lucky enough to be in this industry together. And yes. a few months ago, we were at a really special Heck dinner. yes. For the 25 Black Women in Beauty. Amazing. Which is 
insane that I still you know, get tingles when I think about that night. Yes, we were in a room together with all of these black women that mm-hmm. are in the beauty industry, whether they are artists or they are entrepreneurs VPs or they mm-hmm. are, you know, um, editors like myself mm-hmm. and storytellers. And it was really powerful to be in that room and yeah. for us to kind of pour into each other and just yes. acknowledge each other. We see each other all the time, right. but for us to be in that one room together was really, really special. It was. Um, and I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, being a woman of color mm-hmm. in this industry because, you know, when we have to get together in a room, you know, and we mm-hmm. can all fit in mm-hmm. one room, mm-hmm. it's, you know, mm-hmm. there's not many of us. And I know that that can be really daunting in this industry. How has your experience been being a woman of color in beauty? It's been interesting. And I think there's, I've watched, as you probably have too, I've watched some changes. Now you work for a publication that is for black women and is staffed heavily with black women. Mm -hmm. So I think you probably have a slightly different experience now here. I don't know what you were doing before, but Mm -hmm. it's probably. No, this is very different than than what you've done. Because oftentimes we are the only one. Yes. And. You know, when you when you find other creatives and other people in the field that also understand your history, your heritage, without you having to give them the cliff notes, it's relaxing. You can relax. Yes. Um, so often, I think we we can't relax in in our different fields. We we have to be on it, and I think many of us were raised being told because our parents had this sort of foresight. They knew the world we, they were sending us out into, especially as females and as black people, that you got to keep your head down and work harder. What you see someone else doing, you got to do, and then you got to do a little more. Mm-hmm. And hopefully then you'll be seen as worthy as they are doing extra. So I think when we're together, there's sort of a unspoken understanding, and we can just exhale and let our shoulders go down a bit right. and in the industry I think it's been interesting in particular in these past five years I think what the industry has grown by 300 or more beauty brands mm-hmm. great little niche brands so I think what's great is there's a lot of democratization of, uh-huh. of beauty and people are starting their own things and a lot of women of color are doing it um and that's great. I think we're at a place where, okay, those talks about d- diversity and representation are happening more and more. I want to live to see the point in time where we're not talking about diversity. Right. It's just the norm. Right. And I think we will get there. But mm-hmm. how beautiful is it that you and I mm-hmm. can be a part of that conversation yes. and that shift? I yes. think that that's part of our responsibility. And to usher in. Yeah, to usher in a new way of of thinking and seeing ourselves and seeing ourselves in the world and helping to shape how other people see us. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's this kind of, I know there's this thing called cognitive dissonance, but Mm -hmm. it it begins to be kind of hard to, if you've been taught to see a certain type of person a certain way, but then when you go out in the world, they're never what you've been told. Mm -hmm. And at some point you have to reckon with, what you really experience versus what you thought you knew, mm-hmm. you know, in your bubble. So I think we'll get there. And I think I'm, I hope I live to see the day when 
we don't have to talk about diversity anymore because it's just the norm. Right. Were there people in the industry, anyone that you looked up to as you were climbing the ranks mm -hmm. um, within the industry and at Mac? Mm -hmm. In the industry, I mean, and growing up and seeing beautiful women. And, you know, I was growing up reading, of course, Essence and Ebony and Jet. And I was also reading Elle and looking at Vogue and Mm -hmm. fashion magazines. So there was that time... In the 80s, when you started to see Beverly Peel, Naomi Campbell. And of course, before that, I was seeing Naomi Sims. Ma- Naomi mm-hmm. Sims was a big influence Pat on Cleveland. me. Pat Cleveland. Naomi in particular, because I don't know, it was something about her that really resonated with me. And she was very present, I think, and, and one of the first women of color on Vogue. So they were inspiring me, and I didn't even know it. Um, at Mac, I've had many people who I would consider inspirations and mentors over the years in different ways. Some probably don't even know it. Um, I think the person that had a lot to do with me getting hired on as a Mac artist in my early days, uh, he is will always be a big inspiration. I will always be grateful to him because I think he saw my talent, my raw talent and said, and liked my attitude and said, yeah, yeah, her. You know, so he will yeah. always be an important person. His name is Nick Gavarellis. Nice. Um, he's no longer with the brand, but he was with the brand for many years and he uh, worked in training, artist development, but he had a big influence on me. And then my peers, yeah, you know, because I'm never, I'm never not looking to be inspired. I work with an amazing team of people and everyone's artistry and abilities to present their artistry and their way of thinking about aesthetic is so fascinating and so polished and, and, and beautiful and I learned from all of my peers, so there's so many people. There's too many people to list. Within your tenure at Mac, do you also work on, like, product development? Do they come to you as not only a professional who knows what they're doing with products, Mm -hmm. but also as a woman of color? Yeah. Because I think it's nice for us to know as black women that there are black women behind the scenes making sure that the products that hit the shelves are ones that are going to work for us. It's very critical. And... We have a way of working, I think, where artistry, and it's becoming even more cohesive every day, I think, in our offices, where artistry is a part of every dialogue. Because we started as a makeup artistry brand. This brand was created by a makeup artist. Yeah. And that's that's really a part of our heart and soul. So, yes, you know, the ladies from product development will walk over and ask me questions. And I always rep for women of color. And I always try to infuse those ideas and that voice for this is, you know, this is, we need these things or we, you know, this is what needs to be considered. So yes, we do. If you have a seat at the table, you are speaking up. And, and I'm, and and it's not just always me going to them. It's, they seek me as well. That's amazing. So there's always that dialogue. And, you know, as a senior artist at Mac, I get to try a lot of things before they're launched and give Mm -hmm. feedback and give thoughts and even give suggestions for improvements. So, yeah, there's that that feedback loop yeah. of, of, you know, what do you think? And I'm also not just a makeup artist. I'm a lady who wears makeup. I'm a lady right. who has to get up in the morning and get myself together and get out and do my job and get in the world. So I like to give feedback in those both those areas, not just as a an artist and an right. artist of color, but also I'm a lady who wears makeup and I needed to be 
I needed to work for me. Right. Right. I have to say shout out to whoever developed chestnut lip liner and clear lip gloss. Yes. Because yes. I don't know about anyone else, but that was <laughs> stayed on my lips through high school and college. And like that combination you. was like the thing. That chestnut lip liner yes. and then the lip gloss, which is like glass. that formulation. I mean, it's not on my lips right now, but I can still feel it. It's like mm-hmm. perfect. It is the glossiest gloss that I've ever used. It's it so is truly. It, and I want it, it in, lip glass I want because, it in the tube. Yeah. I mean, you guys started to make it with the wand. The, the and I was like, okay, that's ones, cute. The colors. Yeah. But I want the clear one in the mm-hmm. tube. The clear one has to stay in a tube. It's the best delivery system for it. It's so good. Um, and it gives you that, the way the product settles on the lips, it looks like a smooth piece of glass. So that's why we started to call it, it lip does. glass. And no one, people have tried. Yeah. I won't shout out the brands that have tried. Yeah. But they have tried and they have failed. Like yeah. you guys, that is like a classic. And there's so many yeah. more iconic um you know, uh, products within the the collection that people just live and die for, will never give up from, you know, from brow pencils to, I mean, people can wax poetic Mm -hmm. about Mac cosmetics and products. Like it must feel good to be a part of a company where people can tell you the shade, the type of product, like what, what they love and like, and it dates back to Mm -hmm. like, certain points in their life where they're like, and you know, I can't remember life mm-hmm. not without, wearing that. Without that, that product. You know, it's really fun when you talk to people who have worn Mac for years and you start going down memory lane of colors that are gone but not forgotten. Uh-huh. That's always funny. And people get, they get mad they get at mad. us. Are they like, we, can you please bring this back? Yeah. And sometimes we do. We listen. Sometimes we do. But, you know, it's, it's a... We never want to let go of things that we love, but we got to make room for new things because this industry, this beauty industry is constantly churning new technology, innovations, new textures, new feels, new ways of using pigment to put on your face. And we got to make room for the new. Are there new innovations within the brand that you're super excited about being someone who's been there for so long and seen the evolution of all of the products? There are some things that I've tried. I can't probably can't reveal right now, but that I've tested Uh, out that I am like, please, please, please launch this because it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. So yeah, there's some, there's some really cool things coming, but you know, when you think about it, Humans, we've been painting our faces for thousands of years. We've been grinding up berries and roots and dust and for whatever reason, for protection, for for spiritual worship, we've been painting our faces. So this this exercise of adorning oneself is not mm-hmm. new. And for as long as we've been humans, we've had eyes, nose, a mouth, encased right. in a skull, you know. Right. And so there... What you start to learn as a makeup artist for many years is that you don't really invent anything. You just recycle ideas and you put your own nuances and touches on them to make them feel new and fresh. So anybody out there that thinks that they're inventing anything, uh, you're not. It's been done. It was probably done 2,000 years ago. And then we've recycled it. And we do it with better technology again and again and again. Um, and that's also a part of what makes it exciting. How do you how do you paint the same face, the same structure, 
and make it feel new and fresh. Yeah. You know, the technology helps because you have new ways, but it's also exploring, looking at the past to get inspired by the future. Yeah. We talked a little bit about, before we started recording, about how you kind of grew up with Essence, right? Yes. And, you know, we fancy ourselves as Black Girl Magic headquarters. (laughs) And um, I like to ask... um, folks that come onto the podcast Mm -hmm. when they knew black was beautiful, because I think that it's different obviously Mm -hmm. for everyone Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's really personal and special. So Mm -hmm. Fatima, when did you know black was beautiful? Very early. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thanks to my parents. And I think, I think I always knew it, but I think when it really crystallized for me was in my late teens Hmm. That's when I think it really crystallized and I owned it. That's, and that's interesting because it's, it's funny because I get some of the like early on, but some like, it was a journey. Mm -hmm. I didn't really love Mm -hmm. my skin. I didn't love the way I looked. I didn't love my nose. I didn't love my lips, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And also because society has made it so that Mm -hmm. our beauty is not necessarily the standard of beauty. Mm -hmm. But I love the fact that you knew early on, one. And then two, in a stage, like, teenage years Mm -hmm. are the hardest years. Yeah. Because you... You well, know, these are the male gaze or the too. female yeah. gaze. And like, you know, you're, you, you want to impress a, the popular girls and mm-hmm. you want to press that boy you like or the girl mm-hmm. you like, whatever it is. And that's really hard. I feel yeah. like in my teenage years, I was like, I'm not cute. This is not for me. And then I think I hit college and I was like, no, I'm cute. Yeah. This works. Yeah. But I love the fact that you were young and new. And I think that also I, plays into, like, the fact that you're a makeup artist now. That, yeah. like, you understood your face and you understood your beauty and, and um, accentuating it. Well, my parents were also very keen on filling in the gaps in my understanding of history mm-hmm. and where people of African descent, where we made contributions that... You know, this is stuff we didn't learn in high school, unless you went to a really dope, awesome high school to talk really great. You had great history. But if you went by the typical program and I went to high school in Georgia, in Columbus, Georgia, shout out to anybody who went to Kendrick High. But, you know, I I didn't you didn't you didn't get that. But my parents tried to not just implant that knowledge, but to give me and my brother a hunger for that so that we would continue to learn about the heritage of our people. So I think it's not that I didn't have growing up the struggles with self and identity and self-love because I think that's a part of growing up and a part of shaping your identity. And I think it's not something that you necessarily ever just conquer. You get to certain levels and then you level up again and it's, Mm. it's a life journey. But I think very young, I thought black people were gorgeous. And when I would look at Essence and see, you know, beautiful women in these campaigns for black cosmetics companies, and as well as the fashion and the beauty spreads, that helped. Mm -hmm. Having that really helped because I was able to see women who look like the women I knew represented in a very glamorous, beautiful way. And and it's full circle because yeah. you're contributing to those images now mm-hmm. that are helping young girls and boys see themselves in really beautiful ways, mm-hmm. which comes to my last question for you is like, what, what would you say to someone? Because mm-hmm. you are inspiring people. 
people are looking at your work and looking at your career and what you've done and you're inspiring them. So what would you say to that person who is looking at you and saying, I want to do that, but I don't think I can, or I don't think I should. How, what would you say to them to encourage them to stay on this path? You make the investment. If, if you, if you feel something deep in you that it's calling to you, you eat it, sleep it, drink it. And I ate, slept and drank beauty and just didn't even realize I, until a friend knocked me over the head, didn't realize, yeah, you can actually take that passion and make it a career. If, if it's your passion, it's okay to have a passion that is, that you're enthusiastic about that is really more of a hobby. But if you want to make this a career, you want to be a creative, whether it's a makeup artist or a hairstylist, whatever, if you really feel it, then commit to it and work towards it. And you can't let setbacks make you stop pursuing your goal and your dream. Every career is fraught with setbacks. Mm-hmm. Life is not easy. It's not. If, if anybody told you that, I'm here to tell you it's not. Life mm-hmm. is a series of cycles with challenges along every course of the cycle. But all of those challenges help you get better and better emotionally, hopefully, psychologically, and professionally, skill-wise. So you got to be resilient. You got to have some grit. Because if you really are passionate about something, if you keep pursuing it Mm -hmm. and putting yourself out there, and also try to find a mentor. Mm -hmm. Try to find someone who's doing it that can mentor you. But don't just think that you have some older, more experienced person that's going to open up their head, take out a chip, and download it into you either. You got to pay your dues. Absolutely. You got to do your own discovery, but you need to have someone that you can ask questions when you're not sure about experiences that are new, but you got to do the work and you got to take the journey. And sometimes it's really scary Mm -hmm. and you're going to fail and you don't stop failing once you get to be 30 or 40 or plus. You just have to decide. Bosses fail all the time. Thank you. And you got to decide to learn from your failures, they're, they're, they can be gifts. So you got to be prepared to not know everything automatically and not have it all hammered out and not have every skill perfectly developed in your second, third, or fifth year of chasing your craft. Yeah. You have to allow the journey to happen and invest in your education, invest in your knowledge. And I think one of the most liberating things for me in my career and in my life in general was the day that I turned 30 and I realized I don't know a GD thing. I know nothing, but it was liberating because in my 20s, like a lot of us when we're 20, we think think we know know so much, right? And it keeps us from absorbing a lot of lessons that are happening because we think we already know. But when I turned 30, I was like, oh my God, I'm so dumb. I know nothing. But this is such a liberating moment because now I realize what that I don't know a lot and I can start paying attention and learning. And if you're in that place of being open and learning, Things, no matter what age you are, no matter what phase of life or strata you live in, you'll get what you need. So just keep, keep, keep. It's hard, especially right. our industry as creatives. It's, it's not, you know, it's not always the easiest industry and trying to get your foot in the door. But if you keep trying and you keep focused and you stay positive, you will get somewhere. make it like our girl Fatima. Yep. Thank and you like so you. much. Thank you for having we me. We love you. We support you. Thank we you. We see you, sis. And thank you so much for blessing the color files. And thank you for letting me be a part of my favorite publication Yay. in so many ways. It's, it's amazing. It's, it really is a full circle moment for me. Yay. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Boom. We did it.
Thank you so much to our guest, Fatima Thomas, and our amazing sponsor, Max Studio Fix. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to catch other episodes of The Color Files with guests like Lala Anthony, Sir John, El Varner, Iman, and Yandy Smith. You can find The Color Files on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you find podcasts. Let me know what you think of the show. Leave an Apple review, a comment, or say hello to me on the gram. I am at Miss Julie, M-I-S-S-J-U-L-E-E. And also the hashtag is at color files podcast and i may read your comments on air so make sure you drop those comments well i hope you enjoyed our time together but now it's time for us both to get back to work talk soon